Welcome back to your listeners to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, my guest is Amber Trejo. Amber and I dish about experimenting with recipes and flavors from other cultures, the pros and cons of social media, and our current and future pursuits in the dietetics field. Just a side note, as I'm still catching up with publishing these episodes, at the time of this recording, Amber was a dietetics student going through her dietetic internship program, but she has since passed her national exam and is officially credentialed as a registered dietitian. Amber is also an entrepreneur who specializes in pregnancy and sports nutrition, a personal trainer, and holds a master's degree in nutrition and human performance. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Hi, Amber Trejo, and welcome to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me and have a conversation. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. I am equally, if not more excited, my love, because you know that you have become one of my most favorite people on this planet. And I was just joking with you that we've met, not even, have we actually ever met in person? Like I'm starting to think. No. So quite literally, maybe two or three months ago, you and I exchanged emails and I feel like I've known you for half my life. So do tell the listeners, if you don't mind, walk us through uh, how, how we came to know each other. Oh yeah, this is, um, I I like this story. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it actually all started with a mutual friend of ours, Diana. Yes. Um, who I met her through Instagram and she's like literally like my Latin half. I love her. Um, she, (laughs) yeah, we, we connected and we were talking about preceptors and the dietetic internship and I was talking about how hard it is to find preceptors and she was like, well, maybe you should reach out to uh, Dina. Do you know Dina? She, Mm -hmm. she's a professor at Lehman college. I'm like, really? I'm like, no. And she was like, yeah, she's like, um, let me get her email for you and, you know, see if you're able to intern with her because she interned with you and she spoke all great things about it. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to reach out to Dina. And I, I reached out to you. Um, and yeah, that was the rest of history. That was exactly, that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. And I, I start thinking maybe like my entire podcast is just a stand account for me, but I'm really promising people. It's not, I really do genuinely think that, Uh, There's no such thing as coincidence that people are meant to find each other in this world. And the fact that, again, you didn't even meet Diana, like you met her via social media, which is how a lot of our friendships are starting these days, especially during the pandemic times where we couldn't go outside. Uh, Diana and I actually went to Lehman College together as students, branched off. She went one way, I went the other. And then she, we found each other again. I mean, we kept in touch, but we found each other again as preceptor and intern. And so I'm so glad that her experience spoke well of, you know, in order to refer you to me. And then Diana, just as a side note, I don't know if this will air before or after, but she also is going to be on my podcast if she hasn't been already by the time that this publishes. So I I love just learning everything I can about all the people in my life, whether I've known you for a long time or not. So bring me back in time here as I ask all of my guests, 
tell me a little bit about your earliest food memories. Like what kind of environment was it that you grew up? Where did you grow up? What kind of foods or meals do you remember having? And uh, walk us through that time in your life. Oh, food, growing up, food was amazing. Um, I grew up Italian mm-hmm. and every holiday or family gathering, it was just an obscene amount of food. But like, it was just straight up carbs, <laughs> pasta, lasagna, raviolis. You had the big um, baguettes of like semolina bread. Like it was just carbs and cheese everywhere. And that was my life growing up. Like, just, like, looking back at, you know, like, uh, food choices, like, growing up and, like, like in a family setting, um, there was a lot of food. Uh, there was a lot of, yeah, car- carbs and cheeses. That's- and cheese. And, that, yeah, that was that was the basis of it. Like, Not that there's anything wrong with that. We could live all day long on, <laughs> and cheese, on bread and cheese. Do you know what, uh, what region your family is from, from Italy? Italy, no. But I know uh, part of my family is from um, an area in Spain, Santander. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're, we're mixed. Um, there's a lot of Irish. There's um, Spain. So Santander, Spain, um, that's where uh, my grandfather's uh, relatives are from, and half of them are from Italy. We just don't know where in Italy. Okay, just that whole European-ish area yeah. where everybody's coming from. Okay, and so part of your food upbringing, it, what, what you're talking about there, was that every single day, every single night, Sunday dinners, did you have a lot of holiday gatherings as well, or special occasions, and a lot of different family members coming in or out, or just your immediate crew? Oh, uh, my family's huge. Yeah, a lot of relatives, uh, family gatherings, they're really big. Holidays, they were always like an extravaganza. And it, it was it was nice. Um, yeah, yeah I, I had the I had the best childhood growing up family wise. Did you play a role at all in cooking or just eating like or who was in the kitchen taking care of all the stuff? Oh, no, my mom didn't want me in the kitchen. She was screaming, okay. screaming at us like, get the fuck out. <laughs> See, now that's so interesting because it goes both ways. Some people said when I asked them this question that they were very much encouraged to play a role as I was. I mean, honestly, I just felt like anytime you walked in the kitchen, you were handed something, a spoon, a baby, like whatever. It was like, you know, here, hold this and make yourself useful where other people were maybe denied that, that ability to do that. And because I think it's kind of interesting in how our childhood rearing is in what kind of role food plays. Like, were you eating it? Were you touching it? Were you actually able to cook it? Were you able to understand what different foods were? And shopping too. Like, did you go out to farmer's markets? Did you go out to restaurants? What kind of, you know, occasions did you move around outside of your kitchen and experience maybe other cultures or the same culture as you, but, you know, in different, in different households or different environments. Um, do you have anything you want to share about that in, you know, respect of not just at your home, but maybe outside the family setting? Oh yeah. Um, I, I think I was very fortunate to be exposed to other cultures as a kid. Uh, I wasn't a picky eater. I ate everything. Um, I love fruits and vegetables growing up. Uh, I was more of the eater. I didn't help with anything in the kitchen, which is such a, a, a drastic contrast to where I'm at now, where I'm always in the kitchen and I'm always cooking. Um, I, I just, I didn't have that allowance to be in the kitchen. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like my, my mom, my grandfather, my aunts, they were all doing all the cooking. 
but like when my mom would cook, it's just like, get out of my face. I'm cooking, leave me alone, get out of the kitchen. Um, so I, I mean, I kind of see where she was coming from with that because I kind of get like that where I'm like, let me do my thing. Like it's, it's my, it's, it's my escape in a sense. Right. Um, it's my way to, um, relieve stress by cooking. Like I stress bake. Uh, so, um, but like even like food shopping, like we always were like attached to my mom's hip. So we were always at the store. We never went to a farmer's market. It was ShopRite, Pathmark, uh, Food Town, Acme, you know, just brand, big brand stores that we had access right. to. Yeah, I don't think there were any farmer's markets. I don't remember even driving past any. Do you get any hand-me-downs then since you're cooking now and you're in the kitchen a lot? Are you still working on foods that you remember from back then, traditional childhood, you know, meals and in, in, in that respect? Or are you branching off into different things or a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I make my own sauce. That is mm -hmm. a, a thing. Uh, my mom never allowed jar sauce. Like that's not allowed in the house. So, I mean, I still do buy jar sauce, but I do try to make my own. Um, I wish I had recipes handed down from my grandparents. Uh, I believe my grandmother had some, I, I could ask my aunt for that. My, cause my grandmother was um, a chocolatier. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, but she was always like cooking and, and doing stuff, uh, when she was younger. Yeah. I think my cooking style now, like I love playing around in the kitchen. I love trying different things. Like I, uh, there's like this Kenyan style beef that I wanted to like try to make and I made it and it was delicious. And now I make it all the time. And I'm like, this is mm. so good. Having like Mediterranean things like the grape leaves and you know having something with like chickpeas and yogurt like I, I love combining everything from various cultures yeah and it sounds to me like you're quite inspired by that too and not necessarily afraid to make mistakes in the kitchen because I think at least in baking sense like you know when we're talking cakes and pastries and so on that is a very particular science slash art in that. But I think everything else that we tend to make can really just be a handful of whatever the heck you happen to come across and you figure out if it works. Sometimes you can taste in, I, I always say like I can taste things in my brain or I can, I can figure out if something smells a certain way just by seeing it. I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, many years of having to experiment and sample in that way. So have you gotten obviously more comfortable than, you know, you weren't allowed in the kitchen then, but you are now. So it makes sense. I would assume that you're much more comfortable in experimenting and getting inspiration from different places at this point. Oh yes. If you let me freestyle in the kitchen, it's delicious. So I can't follow a recipe, but like if I make something, <laughs> on my own and I just start putting things like in a bowl and I just start mixing it and then I bake it and it ends up being really yeah. good. And I think that speaks to kind of, I mean, we'll get into a lot of other conversations, but I wanted to kind of play off of that by saying for people who I know who are afraid to do stuff in the kitchen or say things like I don't cook, it can be very simple. As long as you know some basic things that you're not going to burn your house down or cut your hand off accidentally that I think just playing around with things, if it turns out really crappy, okay, well, whatever, maybe you, you know, toss it if you have to, or find another way to make it useful. But there are things that I tend to put on repeat that I like working with, like beans and nuts and uh, you know, leafy greens. And I'm just constantly just sticking my hand in the fridge and throwing into a bowl and seeing what comes out. And cooking wise, there's definitely things that I think I'm better at 
um, now than I was back then. Like I can cook fish very well now. Eggs also, I'm very good at cooking eggs, but back then I would be burning things and, you know, I didn't know how to maybe perfect that uh, process in that way. So I love that you kind of were not afraid to venture in, even though you were being like adamantly (laughs) denied the ability to go in there. Um, So congratulations on taking that step, Amber. And one day maybe you um, you can invite me for dinner and I'll eat your food because I would love to taste it. Oh, I would love (laughs) to have you over for dinner. Yay. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Like I'll just barge my way into anyone's house. I'll wait for I'll wait for proper invitation, but just know that I'm happy <laughs> to come over. Um, so let us let us flash forward a little bit then in what kind of brought you to who you are now. How did that venture, that path, that journey play a role for you? And as is the case with a lot of people that I interview, uh, you are on the dietetics path. You're not currently a dietitian, but you are on that path and you've gone through quite a lot of schooling and you do have a lot of other experience. So it's not like you're just straight out of high school and going into this next venture. So there's a lot of on to kind of learn from you, but tell me a little bit about specifically how food started maybe piquing your interest in that way. And also some of the other things that you do as well in the health and wellness arena. I think it really started uh, in high school when I I lost my grandfather to leukemia, but technically it wasn't the leukemia that I lost him to. It was his heart disease. His heart couldn't keep Mm -hmm. up with the treatment. If it was strong enough and he didn't have bypass surgery a few years prior, he would have been able to withstand the the cancer treatment. I saw how he was suffering. Um, I've seen my, my grandmother suffer with diabetes and heart disease herself and just the toll that took on them and just seeing other family members, you know, just kind of just suffering and it looked painful. And I was like, I, I don't want to go like, like, is this life? Like, how do you stop this? Um, So I started doing some research and I just started, you know, reading up on, on diet and, and fitness. And I started getting into fitness And then I was like, well, I need to change my eating patterns. So I should, you know, go on this diet. And then that snowballed into a minor eating disorder. And that really opened my eyes to a lot of things on how toxic fitness and dieting can be. I developed this poor body image at one point. And I wanted to like compete in bodybuilding. And I had a coach that wasn't really supportive. It was really discouraging to go into a training session and have your coach, you know, pinch you and take your fat measurements and be like, "Mm, I don't know. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, geez. And then he had me on some nasty keto diet. And once things get, I was on that for six weeks and I got tired of eating beef and spinach for dinner and not dinner breakfast. It was beef and spinach for breakfast. I was hungry. I was miserable. I felt disgusting. And I couldn't understand why, like, why does he have me on this diet? What is this doing? And then Thanksgiving happened. And then I found myself drowning in my own container of sweet potato casserole. And I was like, carbs are so freaking good. I'm never giving this up again. Uh, So that was a huge turning point for me where I was like, all right, there's, there's something to this nutrition thing. What is this? How is he mm-hmm. manipulating my diet to get my body fat percentage down? Like, how does this all work? So I quit my job because I like nutrition a little bit more and I was fascinated by it. And I had so many questions and I was like, I have to get this answered. 
And my husband was like, if you like fitness and nutrition, then, you know, do what you got to do. If that's, if that's the career path you want to go for. So, so yeah, I just kept asking these questions over time and I, I just kept going and it just led me here. Um, I applied to my dietetic internship. I am waiting for my acceptance, fingers crossed. Um, so I'm, I'm one more step away to being this registered dietitian that I, I really want to be to help other people who felt confused like me and that we're trying to figure out why do certain diets work? How, how do you even become unhealthy with certain diets? Uh, because it happens to everybody. Everyone has like a thyroid issue after they diet, especially in bodybuilding. I'm seeing that a lot in uh, bodybuilding. People have like, um, they end up developing like diabetes and, and hypothyroidism and then just overall general wellness. That is so profound. I'm, as I always do, I'm scribbling away a bazillion different things because I have so many questions to follow up on. The first one is when you were going into the fitness realm there and you were working with that person, is it fair to assume that person was not a dietitian nor did they refer you to? No, one? he definitely was not a dietitian and never referred me to okay. one. Right. Because we know now, obviously, know better, do better. There are dietitians who specialize in sports dietetics and sports nutrition. So there are people who understand the role that food plays in fueling competitive athletes and fitness people, et cetera. Um, the other question I kind of had for you was, is it some sort of, statistically speaking, a high prevalence of people who do enter into the fitness field? Would there, is, is it I'm trying to word this in a very sensitive way. Is it fair to assume they all might have some sort of eating disorder habit, whether they know it or not because of who they are or not working with them, especially if their coach is not necessarily making sure that their health is supported, but it's just about the overall body image. I don't think it's that they enter it with the eating disorder. I think some people end up developing an eating disorder because they have this poor relationship with food. And when you follow specific diets, it's like, don't eat this, this is bad. Don't eat that, that's going to make you fat. And it just gives you this poor perception of how food is fuel and how food is actually your friend. You just need to, like, you need to just control your calories in and out. I would think so too. I was going to say, if you're not walking in with one, you might be walking out with one as far as disordered eating behaviors go, because it can play a role, especially if you're in competitive uh, you know, areas as well, where your whole purpose is to win something. So you're going to maybe do some extreme measures that other people might not be doing um, you know, for who are just out there to work out and just stay fit, that there might be a little bit more flexibility and liberalization in what their diets are. Because I see nothing wrong with eating the same kind of thing over and over again, if it works for you, but to kind of be on that strict regimen of only beef and spinach every day, you know, and kind of taking away anything else that not just the, the food and the nourishment, but the enjoyment factor. I think that's where you and I speak a lot about too, in our profession that we don't want people to deny themselves or restrict themselves because you will end up like you did sitting in like, you know, the corner of your kitchen, wolfing down the entire sweet potato casserole or, you know, sweet potato pie or whatever it was because you're missing out on that. So there has to be kind of a happy medium, I think, when we're trying to achieve those goals, whether they are fitness focused, health focused, all interrelated in some way. And uh, so before I go on to my next question, did you want to say anything about that? Um, yeah, actually, with the with the restriction uh, and then landing face first and sweet potato casserole, I want people to understand this, you know, because I, I specialize in weight loss with clients. I, I work right. with people on weight loss all the time. But like, I'm realistic with certain things. If you're in a calorie de deficit for X amount of time, I pull you out of that deficit and I give you a diet break because I need to keep you healthy. 
you know? So, and I tell all my clients, I'm like, this is a health first approach. You know, if I feel like your calories are getting too low and you know, it, we're kind of grinding it out. I'm like, I don't do that. I'm like, so we're going to go back up into maintenance and we're going to give you a little bit of a break. Um, and then chip away from there. So, and each, each client is, is very different, but you know, when you, when you restrict though, when you, when you have this concept, it's like, all right, I can't eat this. And you try to avoid something for so long. And then once you finally have it, you feel like you can't stop because you feel like you don't know if you're going to do it again, or if you're, if you're not do it again, but like, you're not going to have it again. And I was having this conversation with someone where I'm like, you know, there's every week comes to an end. And usually that's where people tend to go crazy because they're, they're so restrictive Monday through Friday, the weekend comes and it's like a free for all sometimes, you know, they, they feel like they don't know how to handle themselves in public situations and they try to avoid social gatherings. I'm like, no, like eat things in moderation. Like you know, a peanut butter cup is not off limits. If you want a peanut butter cup, have it, but make sure, you know, your next meal is not a Big Mac. You know, have something nutritious and nourishing, you know, get back on track. You know, today I had, I had three Trader Joe's peanut butter cups after breakfast. It is what it is. I moved on. I had the next meal. I had my yogurt, my pumpkin seeds and my banana, you know, so it's, it's balanced and it's just moving on from that and not spiraling out of control. That's exactly what I'm writing down about the balance. Yeah, I will, uh, I will admit, and not that there's anything wrong with this. I scarfed down a pretty decent amount of Swedish fish last night at like 1130 midnight, something like that. Cause I was uh, working very late and I don't care. I wanted a snack and I had a snack. So be it. I'll move on. And I have something else. I'm not a sugar fiend when it comes to certain things. Cause I can have major stomach issues when that happens. Uh, and I, you know, cavities, et cetera. I'm all aware of those things too, but listen, moderation, balance, et cetera. But I want to go back for a second. I have a couple of things that I wrote down on here too, as you were speaking, the weight loss discussion, especially in the world of dietetics, spans a lot of black and whiteness sometimes it just feels like everybody's for it or against it and if you are against it then you're adamantly against it anti-diet dietitians and and, uh, those kinds of titles which are fine I understand their approach and that is more along the lines I believe in the eating disorder like true clinical eating disorder to remove the factor of having to worry about diet and getting on the scale and so on so I do applaud people for kind of being able to switch and uh, reframe and normalize the ability to see bodies at a lot of different, you know, sizes and so on. And then going back to that on a related note, I'm kind of going to venture off into a couple of different areas here on a related note, as you mentioned before about the bodybuilding. So now it's funny to me because we always think, Oh, that guy must be so fit and lean. And meanwhile, he's coming down with the thyroid issue or she is coming down with the thyroid issue and diabetes. So this whole thing about outward appearance and kind of, you know, as we tend to do congratulating people for getting in shape or congratulating people for dropping the pounds, not realizing that there could be so many extreme factors underlying it. And yet in the opposite direction, especially during the pandemic, and some of us have been quite sedentary or maybe have been using food as comfort, we're packing on the pounds, but it doesn't necessarily mean we aren't unhealthy in that way. Do you have anything to share about that as well? Seeing that you do have more of a fitness approach and you do support people if they do have weight loss journeys, how is that something that you kind of allow them to say, you know, it's okay either way if you have this, but you know, let's not just put all our eggs in one basket of what we're going to look like at the end of this. I'm not a fan of idolizing someone else's body shape. I always tell people, you know, you're, you're doing it to make yourself better, not to look like someone else. And 
-hmm. that's something that I realized during my, you know, trying to compete in fitness. Um, I was chasing an aesthetic that wasn't mine. And I was really letting it affect me negatively. And I was just grinding myself into the ground. I was misdiagnosed with a, with a hypothyroidism. And, you know, it was right. diet and overtraining related. I just kept trying to push and I felt like I was never good enough. And finally, like, I was just like, wait a minute, Amber, like your health is being deteriorated. You can't do that. Like, that's not your body. You, you have a body and you need to respect and appreciate mm -hmm. what you have. You're functioning, you're living, you're somewhat healthy. So to really get help, you know, get your health back on track, like you need to focus and focus on you um, and stop trying to chase a false physique that's that you're not going to look like. And I had to accept that where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to work on just me and making my own body look better to how I want it to be, not to someone else's standards or try to look like someone else. That's something that everyone should try to think about, you know, when they're pursuing a, a weight loss goal like don't try to chase someone else's aesthetic try to just chase down what's going to make you feel good and just a better version of you a healthier version I should say I love that and I especially love that you are being so sensitive and conscientious in your approach with your clients as well because they you know you're recognizing they need a diet break they're starting to go into that restrictive mode we're going to start you know, kicking this up a notch and reframing a couple of things. And that is where I think a lot of people who are left on their own, because right, you'll agree with me, food is universal, everybody thinks they can do it, but they don't realize behind the scenes or underneath it all, how much they could be messing with their metabolism, their hormones, a lot of really kind of uh, screwed up things can happen biochemically, when you are weight cycling, which is the losing and gaining and losing and gaining that a lot of people tend to go on with a lot of these programs on their own, I'm talking about. And then the difference of having somebody who understands the how diet plays a role, how food nutrition play a role, and then the overall behavioral approach too, because I think that's something as well that even again, with all due respect to some of these weight loss programs out there, even with some of those check-in meetings and support groups and stuff that sometimes they do not have qualified people on staff who have gone through what we've gone through in the training and, um, you know, in our degrees and our credentials and our specialties and so on. And so we're keeping an eye out for all of that. But I will also say that I don't think as a profession just yet, we, we have all of that down pat with actually a attending to that behavior approach. So tell me a little bit about how you see uh, what you're, what you've been working with, what, what takes somebody from frustration to compliance to, you know, now kind of like being on autopilot and really starting to chip away and be like, Oh, this is the new me. This is my new, these are my new habits after years and years of maybe not doing things correctly or properly, or perhaps even putting themselves at risk for something. Yeah. I do a lot of reflection with my clients. So like we check in weekly there's like, I'm always in contact with them. Even if we're not on like our check-in calls, we're texting each other. Um, you know, we're always in constant mm -hmm. communication. And I, and I always tell them, I'm like, you know, if you have an issue with something, you need to let me know. Like, let's talk about it. Let's get it out in the air, out in the open. Let's unpack all of this, you know? And, you know, mm -hmm. unpacking bad habits and trying to develop better habits. So maybe someone... Um, they weighed themselves and they 
got really discouraged by the number on the scale. And this happens to everyone. For some reason, we, us women, we, we put so much value on this scale number and yeah, we really degrade our, our self-respect with that scale number. We, we devalue ourselves with it. And, you know, I, I wish that would change. And, you know, when someone steps on the scale and they weigh themselves and they might be up a pound or two, but not understanding that it could be water weight or maybe they're, you know, mm-hmm. they ate something a little too salty the day before. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm either going to, I'm not going to eat today and I'm going to work out and do three hours of cardio or it, okay, you know what? I'm, what's the point? I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm not working out. They don't go to the gym anymore. It's like, it's two extremes. I will coach my clients on that where I'm like, okay, it scales up. Let's reflect. What did you do yesterday? Did you work out? Did you lift heavier? Cause sometimes if you lift heavier, sometimes the weight might be up. Um, did you drink enough water? Did you drink too much water? Did you have too much fiber? What was your fiber at? Did you, you know, go over your macros a little bit? You know, was, how was your sodium? You know, we go through all these factors and especially with the women, I'm like, where are you in your cycle? And like clockwork, yes. every time if someone's having a moment of doubt or, or an issue with that scale, it's usually when they're ovulating and I'm like, give it a couple days. Right. I'm like, it's going to go back down. Don't worry. And then they're, then like, they're like, all right, you know what? You're right. And I'm like, well, see, it's just weight. Weight technically is irrelevant when we really need to focus on body fat. You know, I I work a lot on that and like kind of getting through like that scale fear and having them place value on themselves from their workout, making sure that they had a great workout, making sure that they're eating well, that they're allowing themselves Mm -hmm. a treat and then just moving on. You're stepping on the scale. It's the, I always say it's, it's the earth's gravitational pull on your you know, skin sack. Like just relax. It's not the end all be all of everything. If you really want to focus on things, maybe pay attention more to body fat and see if that's an issue and where you're carrying it. And even then I can't guarantee that you're going to be able to, you know, drop it in your belly or drop it in your butt. Like, I, you know, there's no real hard, fast rule as to where you can target certain things, but we do know that moving around plays a role and what you're eating plays a role. So, you know, be okay with maybe those last three to five to 10 pounds will never come off of you. Like, again, try to be more confident in who you are. Try to recognize that you have a great relationship with food. Try to recognize that you're not denying yourself of not only enjoyment, but socializing, as you mentioned before, with people, you know, getting kind of nervous, I have to go to a wedding or an event or whatever. That discussion about are they compensating or are they reverting, right? It's all or nothing. It's either like, okay, well, I did this and I have to like make, I, you know, I overate, so now I have to over exercise or I overate, well, I might as well just eat the whole house and then I'll just start again on Monday. And so that's really chipping away at the behavior issues there. And so I think the more you and I and uh, people in this field work with, with people who are coming to us for those services, the better we get at it. But this is also something that I hope whoever's listening to this understands, like we're advocating for you too. try not to go to people who are going to shame you for not following a diet, who are going to even the tracking component too. If you want to track, track cool, whatever. If you want to get a baseline of what you are, if you feel a little bit more in control of food, fine. But if people are forcing you to do something or 
like you were sharing before Amber with your coach and the, you know, the keto and kind of like pinching you, your stomach and telling you different things like that's not cool. So you have to find somebody who's going to support you and have compassion. And I think I really appreciate that a lot of us in this profession have our own either uh, specific personal experiences or, you know, external experiences where, as you were saying with family members, knowing that it's not all about genetics, like we can, we can beat certain things and that we come to it with this whole frame of mind of understanding and being empathetic to the people with whom we work. So um, I'm very glad that we have you in this role that you're going to be getting better as you go as well, because I do think that people need you to, your support. Um, and speaking along that, do you mind sharing with us? Because as you said, you're still not a registered dietitian credential just yet. You still have to go through that whole process. But what did you do to also share with people who are in this field who maybe don't know where to turn? What can they do? Like, how did you get to be who you are right now with your business? Like, tell us a little bit about a current day in the life of you and how you built up this opportunity for yourself, knowing that, okay, so you don't have like a formal credential, but you still have a degree and you have all these other uh, certifications and specialties. So oh, yes. through that I would process. love to. I, I got certified as a personal trainer. And once I was really trying to figure out like, all right, what's like the most important piece here. And I realized that it was nutrition. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to help people like with nutrition, mm -hmm. like what do I need? Like, how do I help them? I got uh, certified as a fitness, nutri uh, fitness um, nutrition specialist and a weight loss specialist through uh, NASM, which it's, they give you like, it's just a basic nutrition course. So like when I look back on it, right. like when I first got those two certifications, I was like, wow, this is great. Like I know this knowledge and, and I have all this information, but when I look back at it, I'm like, I didn't know anything. And then... <laughs> You know, and even then I, I still felt like I didn't know enough and I'm like, I need more. So I was researching yeah. on how to become a registered dietitian. I'm like, how do I make this a career? Like, what do I do? And I uh, was trying to get into a DPD program. You know, I, I don't take no for an answer. I find other ways to make it work. So Good. while I was having a hard time with Good. Hunter, I was looking for, I'm like, well, you know what? Screw you and your DPD program. I'm just going to go get a master's then. <laughs> so I enrolled in the school. Um, I felt like it was fate, you know, just how, you know, we were speaking earlier, how, you know, certain yeah. people come into your life. It was just yeah. fate. I, I clicked on this link and I talked to someone and he was like, the only thing you need to get into our master's program, it, it was like a, um, a nutrition science class. So I took that mm -hmm. and then I enrolled and that was the best education I think I've ever gotten. Um, I, I loved all my teachers. I love the program. I am so proud to be an alum of Logan College. Um, they, they were great. And I got my master's from there in uh, nutrition and human performance. So it really focused on a little bit more on the integrative side. So it was, you know, um, yeah. sports nutrition, um, herbology and detoxification. There was the, I, I had a concentration on the microbiome, pain and inflammation, you know, really how nutrition plays a huge role in all, in all of this. And, you know, I was looking up, local laws and things for New York, because you, if you're not credentialed, like you can't give someone like a meal plan, like here, you have to eat this. 
but that's a thing in in fitness like everyone's giving someone a meal plan and I knew that wasn't right you know and I'm just like I'm not gonna get legally in trouble for this so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing so I worked within my scope I can't treat disease if you have heart disease I can't give you a meal plan and say like here eat this because this is gonna cure your heart disease like I have to refer you out I work with mostly a, a generally healthy population for now, I'm really hoping, you know, well, not hoping, I will. Once I have my registered dietitian, my practice is open for everyone of all um, ailments. But, you know, if someone's, you know, looking to lose weight, I'm there. If someone's, you know, because I have my concentration in the microbiome and in gut health, I focus on, you know, people with IBS um, and IBD. I'm pre and postnatal certified. So I also help with just nutrition education. That's pretty much what I do. You know, it's nutrition education. And so what you're saying there too, for anybody who is in this, uh, area of the health and wellness world as a dietitian, or just speaking about nutrition and food in general, and somewhat how like incorporated into what you do as services. And then also, again, as I always like to do include patient or the client to let you know, kind of behind the scenes of what goes on in our world. Um, it depends. It's a very broad spectrum as to what states will allow certain people to do. And, and certain states are very, very strict and other states are not so much. And so I'm spanning two states right now, New York and New Jersey. New York has what are called certification uh, credential. So you get your registered dietitian title and that's nation nationwide. That's a national exam that you sit for and get, but then depending on where you're practicing, whether or not you will be meeting with people and taking their health insurance, then you have to get certified or licensed with certain States, but some States don't have anything, <laughs> either of them. And New Jersey, where I am also splitting my time is one of those States that has nothing. However, that is changing in January, but even though there's certification and licensure, um, applications that you can submit to the States, even then there are certain restrictions as to who can call themselves what. And then there's also something called that's title protection. And there's also something called practice exclusivity, meaning, am I not allowed to talk to you about anything? Can I not even tell you like eat a salad? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, you can't, you can't say that unless you are a dietitian. So we in the profession tend to really kind of take that and hold it dearly by saying we're the experts in our field and we are, but there are definitely other people who can be qualified to speak on certain things, but might not be able to do so depending on, like you said before, Amber, your scope of practice. So you're not dealing with people who have diagnosis of things, but you can definitely help support them because that plays a role in what you're doing. But I also think that's fantastic because you are credentialed and, you know, getting degrees and other things, whereas no disrespect. Sometimes people like they work at a vitamin shop and they call themselves a nutritionist and that's the end of that. And they haven't learned much of anything. So just be careful. Whoever out there is listening. If you're working with somebody, just ask, where did you go to school? What experience do you have? Um, I've actually seen people call themselves doctors who are not doctors, medical or you know PhDs or MDs. So just be careful of things that people tend to say and what kind of titles they have and what the protection is, because we don't want you to be um, you know getting in harm's way there. So thank you. Yeah, for sharing absolutely. That story and you know, it, uh, piggybacking on what you said, you know, asking what their credentials are, asking about their knowledge, their education, where they get it from. Um, I actually had to right. salvage a client's health, uh, in a sense, because she was listening to someone on Instagram who is a self-proclaimed coach Mm -hmm. who lost weight on her own 
and is now taking clients and helping clients lose weight. And I did research on this girl because if your client is coming to me and she's feeling all sorts of, you know, not well, and I, I had to do research on this girl and I I'm researching her and I'm like, okay, she, she does macros, but I, again, that's everyone's like easy way out here. Um, you know, just macros and not dealing with anything else. But if you don't know how macronutrients affect right. someone, you shouldn't be giving someone their macro plan at all. Um, you know, the, the girl was starving and I was just like, you can't give someone what worked mm-hmm. for you because it's not working for her. It's making her sick. And it's really important that you, you know, anyone who is listening, you know, if you're looking for someone to help you with your wellness or with your weight loss goals, like make sure the person knows nutrition from a scientific standpoint, because it's a chemical reaction. Food is a chemical reaction that's happening inside of you when you eat. And you have to know how that works because Correct. we're all our own machines. When we eat, it's like our own experiment. Like it's going to affect you differently than someone else. Um, so yeah, definitely make sure you know someone has their credentials. And if you are, you know, on the same path that I'm at and you, and you are looking to, I don't know, create a, um, I think this is part of the question you asked me before, like what, what can they do? I guess like, I guess gain experience or even like open a private practice. Is that what you asked before? I think it was more along the lines of, you know, if you're not fully there just yet with the um, goal of getting the RD credential, what can you do in the meantime? It sounds like, you know, we'll get a degree or get certified in something. And, you know, you can open a business, you can open a business, whether it's a formal entity that's credentialed with the state or whatever, or you can just call yourself a sole proprietor. And of course you would use like your social security number instead of an EIN, which is an employee identification number and you you know you submit taxes to the state just like you would through a schedule c but instead of doing you know your own like bank account would be or should say instead of separating out your bank account so you if you have it in you to make a business boom i just Mm -hmm. there you are you're done you just you just became a business but it depends on obviously you know how much you have energy and time and administrative (laughs) uh bandwidth you want to put place in that and having to kind of you know send invoices out and make people sign things and make sure that you are you know yeah um, legit in that respect definitely get get a master's degree get a degree if you're if you're on the road yeah if you're on the road to become a registered Mm -hmm. dietitian and that is your goal go get the master's degree and then you could you know you have a little bit more wiggle room to help people and to open up a private practice i opened up my business by accident uh, I mean, it's all started by accident. I wasn't ready to coach anyone. I was working with a client and she needed help with her nutrition. I helped her with nutrition. She had great results. Then word of mouth. Oh, you help so-and-so. Can you help me? Okay, mm-hmm. sure. Do you have any, any you know, issues? Are you sick? Are you, do you have any ailments? Because I wasn't going to take her on. Um, you know, so I always ask these questions. So that way I knew that I was within my scope. I helped her and someone else was like, Oh, you did a great job. Like, are you taking on a new client? I'm like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm (laughs) full-time personal trainer. And now I'm a full-time nutritionist. And I'm like, Oh boy. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I should create a business. So (laughs) I was talking to, she's like, my little sister now where I love her to death. I was talking to um, one of my clients. She was like one of my first nutrition clients and she were, she's also a lawyer. Um, <laughs> so uh, 
Yes. <laughs> so I was talking Smart. to her. I'm like, am I allowed to create a business? And you know, we did some digging. She's like, yeah. She's like, you're, you're allowed. She's like, you, you have, you know, you're going to be having your graduate degree. You know, you're not doing X, Y, Z. So I created an LLC and we, the name, um, she helped me come up with the name because I was like, everyone mm-hmm. has like their name and like fitness attached to it. And I'm like, I don't want my name attached. I don't want the word fitness in it. I'm like, it's just so like saturated. We're like coming up with something. I'm like, it has to be wellness. <laughs> it has to be something wellness because I, that's what I focus on wellness. I focus on nutrition and fitness. And that is what wellness right. is and mindset. And she was like, well, you like being naked all the time. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> naked wellness. I'm like, you got it. I'm like, Taylor, I'm like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Wait, so I have to just stop for a second. <laughs> Does your client know that you like being naked all the time? Do you, do you work out with no clothes? I need to figure this out because you should definitely charge uh, a little bit extra, I think, just to be like, what's up, kids? <laughs> Although maybe that might be crossing the line. I don't know. How um, is too so naked, Amber? Walk us she, through. Well, like I said, she's like my little sister. So we, we started training and we just, we got really close. Like, again, like my little sister, I go to her parents' house. I call her mom, mom and dad. Um, yeah, her dad and mom are friends with Aww. my dad. So like, we're, we're integrated now. So like now we're family. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, we just always like talk like in conversation where like, like, I hate the winter. And I'm like, I hate the winter. One is cold. It makes my bones hurt. I'm like, I have to yeah. wear clothes. I'm like, I prefer to be like either in shorts and like a tank top or like, like the most minimalist dress. Like, I don't want to wear a bra. I don't want to wear underwear. Like, the less clothes, the better. So that's where, you know, naked originated. Also, I, I walk around my apartment naked. And we were we were joking one day because I was like, yeah, I feel bad for my neighbors because I don't have blinds. Listen, whatever. I always say this, and no, no offense to all of America, but I'm like, we are so okay with violence and you know, swearing and vulgarity in that way. But like, heaven forbid, we whip out a boob and like breastfeed our kids in the middle of a park. Like everybody freaks the heck out. So walk around naked. Exactly. Embrace your, embrace your body. Embrace it. So totally fine. I called it naked wellness, but it also goes in line with my belief, um, you know, with being transparent, um, Mm. being transparent with yourself, being transparent, you know, just like with food. Like, I, I think that's a whole nother topic, but like, I am, anti-food coloring, anti-certain ingredients. Um, yeah. Right. And, and things, you know, right. we've had that conversation. Some before, other RDs yeah. might argue that, that it doesn't matter, but you know, to me it matters because they're like, I've seen evidence and I'm just like, you know, I, I'm transparent about it. Like, okay, this drink that's being marketed as something yeah. that's super healthy and everyone's chugging it. And I'm like, yeah, it's got red 40 in there. You know what that does? you know, and you're letting your kids drink that, you know, and you're wondering why people have ADHD and autism, like it's linked. I was going to say this might be true, but it, I think it goes also to the fact that you studied the microbiome and we know how things can kind of affect the the microbiota and, and the gut affects the brain. And so yes. it makes yeah. sense to me when you're talking um, about stuff like this. So, you know, I'm, I'm naked in that sense too. And, you know, and I'm also naked in a sense of being real with yourself, you know, especially when people are like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. why do you say that? You know, and I make them dig deep and it's really, it's undressing certain layers of yourself yeah. to see your true self. Um, <laughs>
Oh my God, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> you just gave me goosebumps. I love that. It, it is multi-layered. I mean, because, you know, your logo is a peach and I'm like, oh, okay, because like she's got a good booty or something like that or you'll look good naked, but it's not about that. It's about all of those layers underneath of peeling things away and really coming out totally uninhibited in all the senses of the word, confidence and insecurities and um, <laughs> empowerment of that way too. Oh my God, like I'm get, my hair is so standing peach, on end right now. Uh, oh the peach gosh, means purity. And that's how I like my food to be pure and not f- full of artificial things. Mm. Like I just, you shouldn't be eating a yoga mat in your bread. That's just not healthy. So, you know, that that's where the peach comes from, like the purity of food. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm glad I asked you all this because I don't, I didn't never did. I never asked you that before. Um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the time right now thinking I want you to be on here for another two and a half hours because I scribbled some things down before as well, but I'm wondering if maybe I'll have to skip that and then we'll just come back uh, like in part two at some point because I could go on and on with so many things. But what I wanted to find out from you is what is a current day in the life of you as it is right now, knowing that you have so much on your plate and still running a business and... <laughs> I also have a social media question too. So I'll, I'll park, I'll park that for a sec, but then we'll eventually wrap up in a couple of minutes. But yeah, tell me a little bit about like, what is the typical day? You know, what are your own non I always say the non-negotiables for yourself, because those of us who are in health and wellness sometimes do not lead by example, sometimes do not take care of ourselves. Sometimes, especially in the entrepreneur world, we burn ourselves out very quickly. So walk us through a little bit of, well, maybe not a day, but like a week in the life um, of you. What's the, what's I, the, the going thing I, is for you? Well, life is so much different now. Um, I, I wake up, I mm-hmm. train my clients in the morning. I teach my fitness classes. Um, I do my client check-ins and then I, I, I time block a lot of things. So I, you know, make sure I have time to do my homework. Yes. I make sure I have time to study. Uh, I always make sure I have time to eat and I work out. So that's also plugged into my calendar. Um, working out is a non-negotiable. So I will plan my days around my workouts. So something from like a 10 to 12, you know, like I'm busy because I'm taking care of me. I'm working out. Um, I also plug in times to listen to podcasts too. So I'll go ride my bike and I pick a podcast and, you know, I just, I just listen Mm. and and learn. Yeah. Throughout the day, I, I, it's literally, it's work and study and work out. Yes. Right. Cause you are currently also a student as if you weren't doing enough. Yes. Quite the quite well. It's funny. We'll get to this in a sec, but I was going to say quite a lot on your plate. So I want to talk a little bit about social media too, because you and I, um, in addition to meeting via email and through somebody, uh, you know, that we knew together, I do meet a lot of people as you you met Diana through Instagram. And I mean, that's kind of where I live a little bit more than other platforms. Although I've joked that I have a profile on everything that exists, but I'm really somewhat more active in, in Instagram world. And I've developed some great friendships there. I've also, I just got done talking to an intern of mine um, that I said, you know, when I first started out in this profession, I was following everybody that I was admiring that I thought was going to be kind of like an indirect or virtual mentor to me just by me watching what they're doing. And little by little, as I understand kind of what I want to focus on and the things that make me feel good and comfortable. So like you were saying, you have some of your own philosophies, science-based, might not agree with everybody else that's on in this field. Um, 
I've started finding myself kind of either not following them anymore or not paying attention to them anymore because they just, they just, I don't, my anxiety goes up. But in addition to that, much like you mentioned with your client who, uh, you know, came across maybe an influencer or somebody she was following, people really have such a strong role to play in affecting other people's wellness, especially, and even when they're just strangers. So how do you see kind of what you're doing online? And are there other things that you're seeing online that you would advise against? And then kind of as a part two or three to that question, um, you know, I know I've spent time sometimes just saying, uh, no, that's not true. And like, you know, engaging people in conversation, trying to quote unquote, educate them. And after a while, I don't have any more time in the day. So I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to allow people to just believe what they want to believe. I'm not going to fight, but I will continue with my own message of sharing on my platform. And hopefully people will then find me. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of see how, you know, social media plays a role, especially when people are confined to their homes, they can't really maybe go out. That's, that's a really good question. Um, I went through like an Instagram purge and I got rid of everything or everyone um, that affected me in some kind of negative way. If it triggered something, I got rid of it. Um, if I felt like I needed to be combative, I got rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I follow people that I could learn from or people that I could have a connection with. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what, that's where I'm at on social media. So anyone that I follow, uh, especially in, in the registered dietitian field is, you know, I think of everyone as, you know, as a teacher, you know, what can I like, what can I learn from you? Um, I'm always trying to learn yeah. stuff because I, I feel like I don't know enough. You know, I'll go through someone's page and I'm just like, all right, how does this page make me feel? Do I feel like defensive going through their stuff? Or do I feel like a little bit more open minded? Like, I really want to learn from you. Um, like, what's your vibe? You know, because that's, who I want to be surrounded with. I want to be surrounded by good people, you know, virtually or in real life, people who have good energy, people who are going to teach you something, um, you know, and people who are going to support you. Mm. I, I've actually um, found some great people on Instagram that have been so supportive and it's crazy. Like I never thought that possible, like, like to find, you know, people through Instagram that are going to like really yeah. cheer you on. Um, so, but yeah, anyone, you know, for social media, get rid of anything that doesn't benefit you because it's only going to impact you negatively in the long run. I want to find out a couple of things. I know that you are on the path to become a dietitian. Is there anything else that the future holds for you? What do you see yourself <laughs> uh, doing in two, two years, a hundred? Uh, definitely still private practice, five years. I want my own nutrition clinic. Where, you know, if you are poor, you could get nutrition education. You, because Medicaid or was it Medicare Part B doesn't cover medical nutrition therapy for senior citizens. And they have more than one disease and it's more than just diabetes and kidney disease. So like, I want to be able to provide a service that's free for them. Um, you know, I, I just want to help somehow uh, in it doesn't matter how old you are. We, we all need nutrition to live well. Um, and then 10 years, I would love to be a professor. I want to, I want to get my PhD. I want to get into studies, you know, yeah. um, you know, really research further on, you know, how the microbiome works, how food influences it and just teach people.
I love that. I have no doubt that you will accomplish everything big or small that you want to pursue because you are fantastic. Uh, my other question is, is there anything that we didn't cover? You know, if you think about people who could potentially be hearing your message and your mission and wanting to learn more about you or things that you think might be wrong. Uh, keep hmm. pushing. You know, it, it's a really hard freaking road. It's kind of soul crushing in a sense, uh, but you're going to make it you know, this is such a rewarding job. And, you know, and you don't, if you want to be in private practice, you do not need to start in clinical, just do it. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of that too. I really appreciate that too. Not to deny anyone who is on the clinical path because you're needed as well, but there are a lot of us that kind of want to hit at the root cause. And I think that helps going behind the scenes, starting out with nutrition education, nutrition counseling, uh, working in that more community setting and preventing things and even you know, keep going through the life cycles, start at the very young and try to work your way up in there, try to get as much information as possible. And like Amber as well does, you know, keep learning, learn as much as you can, ask questions. Don't just see what's on somebody's page and think, oh, well, that guy has the word doctor in front of him and that must be true. Like, you know, ask questions, follow up with things, try to cross check stuff to wrap this up. Uh, pun intended, of course, because I'm nerdy like that. What is on your plate today? What is it that you were in the middle of the afternoon right now? What is it that you're planning on doing when we break away from here? And then what Ooh. are you eating oh, that's a, after? Like, that's what's a really your next meal? Um, my next meal, yeah. does coffee count as a meal? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have a coffee soon, but I'm going to be sure. having dinner a little bit Sometimes. later. Um, I got some forbidden rice. I got broccoli, I got carrots, and I got some ground beef. So that's going to be delicious with some extra virgin olive oil. Uh, And then what else is on my plate? I am writing an article for Nutrition Entrepreneurs Venture. Very cool. Yeah, that's the dietetic practice group that we are. That's like the offshoot. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be released in the winter edition. It's on um, how to have a financially healthy business. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to write. Nice. and then I just ha- I have some client check-ins. So a little bit of everything. And you're taking care of yourself, which is um, you probably have been throughout the day and already did. So I'm very um, pleased to have had this discussion with you, Amber, because it was really, this is kind of the first time I've, got, I've gotten to know you like this. And I really appreciate you sharing our story, your story with our listeners. And so, I mean, we're going to see each other on the gram and elsewhere, but I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. Fabulous Thank you. Week, cetera, I had so much fun being on here. Thank you for having forward. me. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina, and I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again. Dish with Dina.